Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I'm one half of Wannabe Games, and I am here alongside the motorcycles on this beautiful sunny day in springtime. <laughs> and I'm also here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig. Hi, Jess. Vroom, vroom, huh? <laughs> Wait, don't tell me you're turning into one of them, too. Yeah, oh, no. I, I feel for you. I lived for many years in Milwaukee and, and got, uh, like, every five years, there was a a big anniversary thing that they'd have like motorcycles everywhere. Um, yeah, I'm Craig Campbell. I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games and I make tabletop role playing games as well. And we are here with returning guest Jeffrey. Hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. Happy to be back. Yeah, welcome I'm Jeffrey. back. I like kind of like Prince or Madonna. I'm Jeffrey. <laughs> Just... <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. I should brand, I should get that uh, branded. I think hmm. the, the, what, who, who is, is it toy toys are us joffrey the giraffe yeah jeffrey the giraffe yeah mm. absolutely that it's jeffrey the giraffe jeffrey chaucer jeffrey rush are the famous jeffreys that spell it the, the g-e-o-f-f-r-e-y but they don't have the alliteration going i know it's like a soft g and then a hard g for you but i'm still <laughs> yeah jeffrey golden well jeffrey giraffe i suppose would be okay, sort of actually yeah. yeah it would be alliterative yeah so yeah, listen, whatever. It's... That's a fake animal. Doesn't count. So, so That's is it right. now? Given that you have a soft G and a hard G in your name, is it GIF or GIF? It is definitely. Wait, you mean like Jolden? G I F. Is that what I F? Do you pronounce it a G I F? A file type, an image. Do you pronounce it GIF oh, or GIF? Oh, I was Jeffrey wondering what Jolden. you were talking about. Yeah, Jeffrey um, Jolden. Oh, I'm a I'm a GIF. Uh, okay. always have been a uh, gif always will be gif um because <laughs> it's graph because it's graphic is the first word so mm. good it's hard g sound um so that's what i'm going with um and uh yeah I mean, but let's get that let's get that flame war going let's get that <laughs> i feel like that bubbles up every so often uh we, we nobody a, it's one of these about... like it's is hot dog a sandwich? And every so often, every couple of years or so, we have to have that argument over again. Um, it's it's what keeps us you know, civilized. The That's GIF right. versus GIF thing, but nobody ever says ping is wrong because it's not. It's pung. It's pung, pung. Like, no, there's no I in there. Come on. Oh, not I just see, PNG. I... I, that's how I pronounce it. PNG. Yeah. I would just say PNG. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Jeffrey, <laughs> who are you? Who am I? Good question. Uh, well, if you haven't heard me uh, on this show before, I'm a narrative designer. Uh, I've written for Ubisoft, Square Enix, Capcom, um, written uh, and designed tabletop games um, like the Wet Hot American Summer role playing game. And uh, Target Run, which was a top comedy game uh, on, uh, uh, <laughs> oh my God. It's, so it's eight in the morning and I'm feeling a little hungover. It's not drive-through RPG. It's <laughs> on, uh, what's the the big, oh my God, I'm feeling Itch. Itch.io? Not Itch. No, nope. the DM's Guild, right? DM's Guild. Okay. Thank you. Because it's a D&D. &D. Oh. Mm -hmm. please, okay. oh, please leave this in so that uh, people can... <laughs> know that i forgot the, what the dm skill was called but yes it was the number one comedy game on the dm skill um and uh and yeah and i and i uh i write a, a choose your own adventure newsletter called adventure snack that's on a sub stack that folks can find at adventuresnack.com oh, gosh 
Jeffrey, like when do you have time to relax and sit down? And I, is that, I mean, that's a, a good transition. I know what the topic is. So that's a very good transition. <laughs> but B, I'm weird. I'm weird in that I I just love to write and design games. Um, So it is work for me. It is my job. But I also just genuinely love doing it. And I would do it uh, even if I wasn't paid. So um. So it's like, when do I have time to relax? It's like, it kind of is relaxing to to do that work. I've been doing it since I was very, very little, since I was very young. So part of me sort of gets transported back into my kid self when I do the work. So that's, I think that's something I, I it's why I keep coming back to it. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. Oh, it's a transitioning, but I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, I, I, I love a... Uh... Uh, this is my passion and I would do it regardless of what was happening. I love that. It's true. But um, we... but yeah, let's uh but yeah, let's let's talk. Let's yeah, talk. We're, we're talking about jamming downtime today. And I I love downtime moments personally, uh, because I love it when the characters can just like kind of get around and shoot the shit a little bit and you know have a restful period in between um, maybe something that wasn't so restful. So I'm interested to hear uh, what our tips or our thoughts are on jamming downtime. First of all, what is downtime? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask about that because I mean, I, I have a sense about what we mean by downtime, which is that it's uh, basically the time, a, a more relaxed time between, uh, between adventuring, between camp, between formal campaigns, going out and killing monsters and collecting treasures and stuff like that. Um, but I also wonder, like, on a more existential level, like, is is it down? To, is it really downtime? I mean, isn't like every aspect of the game like the game? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Isn't going into the tavern and playing as your character as as important or as as much a part of the time as is going into the mountains and 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 killing goblins? You're you're uh, not wrong. I took the tack of because I I thought about that too. It's like well, I found find myself thinking like well, what do you consider downtime activities? And my my thought was that you take it, uh, kind of meta it out of the the game um, and what the characters are doing. And it's like, what do the players want to do outside of the game session where everybody's there and engaged in whatever it is the game is about. Um, and that becomes, you know, like the jamming downtime is to me, it's like the first thing is like, here we are again, Jess, talk to the players, you know, look at what the players are looking for in the game, what your group culture is, what the game is that you're playing and figure out what things are, useful and people would have you know would enjoy kind of engaging in but they don't need to be hashed out at the table with everybody necessarily um they can be relegated to in between game sessions um to whatever degree different players want to engage because some people would rather just show up and play the game and go home and then you know they come back for the next game and some people are you know thrilled to like have all sorts of little activities to do in between game sessions um and then it, you know, it's, it's group question. It's, it's a, it's a question of what the group is looking for. Like there are, there are groups who play just baseline D and D there are groups that want to be like, okay, in between sessions, that's when my character goes shopping and buys all his crap. And then there are other groups that are like, no, 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 no. 
there are interesting NPCs and characters to meet in the shop. We want to have a shopping trip every so often. We want to play that. We want to spend a half a game session just doing all sorts of cool stuff that goes along with, you know, actually just spending gold and buying things. Um, so for different groups, different things are downtime. I um, did a lot of LARPs back in college and downtime actually like meant the time in between game sessions and some of the things that you could do you could send messages to the gms like you were allowed to have a certain amount of downtime actions quote unquote um where you would send an email in like either in character or out of character you'd send an email to the gms and say like i want to investigate this i want to talk to this person blah 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 and it was a way for the gms to like provide plot hooks to give you extra information and kind of keep you engaged throughout the month where you were not playing because you know you'd only played one weekend a a month you can't go camping every weekend i mean you can but you you could but not when you have a life outside of the larp really um i really liked that i really enjoyed it i felt like it kept me engaged quite a bit and helped me flesh out the world more than the couple days i would be able to spend a month playing the game um, I know that sounds like a lot, like in a couple days, like literally 24 of hours of time I'd be spending playing this game. But regardless, um, I think that that is another version of this downtime. Uh, I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about this because there's not like a lot of jamming that needs to happen there. You're like providing information, providing plot hooks, kind of fleshing out the world. But if you have a tabletop game that you're playing with your players that you only meet once a month, there's a long period of time where... You have a chance to lose them and lose their interest um, when they're not playing, even if your game's great. Like, people get really easily distracted. Um, But allowing them to do things like uh, write a diary as your character, tell a little story as your character, put it on our forum, put it in our Discord, and I will reward you in-game with either, like, a mechanical bonus, like, you could do inspiration in 5e, or with, like, a plot thing, like, yeah, we're gonna use this as the plot hook next time, like, you get this information, this is something for you to think, like, hey, guys, like, last time before we met up, like, I talked to the elven princess, and she said that, um, she was cheated on by her elven husband, and he has he's gone off into the woods and she wants him brought back for just like whatever, like you could like use that as an opportunity to do some of the things that take a little bit more time in game, um, like character development, world building, even like getting them on board with a story. Um, and also do the meta thing of keeping your players like, like excited, excited for what's going to happen next. Um, so when I when I think of downtime, I think about my LARP experience, basically, is what I'm saying. And I loved that. It was my favorite thing to do, like, come in, come into the camp ready. Like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so ready for this drama that I started in between games. <laughs> well, I think, I I mean, to me, like, I think you're presenting an, an interesting juxtaposition. Because I think that, you know, with, with the LARP, because I, I had friends, I didn't play, but I had friends who who played, I followed their games pretty closely, uh, Vampire the Masquerade and such. Mm. And, um, you know, it's like when you're saying downtime there, it's like downtime between play sessions. Right. Because we understand that anything that happens in the play session of the LARP is is LARPing, right? So you could be in Vampire the Masquerade and you could be, 
like hanging out at a vampire diner for the whole game. And like, you could decide not to go out and stake werewolves or whatever. Like you could just <laughs> go and just order some Sundays, but that's LARPing, right? That isn't downtime. Like that is a play session. And the downtime is the things that happen between play sessions. But here, I think we're referring to downtime in the D&D context as things you do in the play session that are not going, uh, that are not fighting, which implies to me that the fighting is the thing, you know, the quest is the thing. But I would argue in a role-playing game that when you are role-playing with each other, that that is the that is the thing. That is the time, um, you know. So, so uh, yeah. That that's why I think it's it. That's that's what I think is interesting. Is just like the definition and the dichotomy. But listen, we can get on to talking about the specifics <laughs> for designing, you know, fun non-combat mechanics and stuff. But I I just think it's it's it, it, to me anything that happens in a role-playing session with the players that is time that is like that that is that is the thing that is what we are here to do i 100 percent agree with you with that and i think that people especially if you play a game that's like really really heavy combat oriented making sure that you have time that the characters can like the players can role play like not just roll dice and say how they hit a monster i think it's so so important um so what do we do? What do we, how do we GM and, and these relaxing points of time when they are not actively doing the thing, whatever the thing is in the loop? Like in Blades of the Dark has, for example, right in its gameplay loop, there is a time where they are doing downtime. I don't remember what they call it. Um, we call it downtime. Do they call it downtime? Downtime activities. Yeah. I got it sitting in front of me because I was, I knew this mm-hmm. one would probably come up. Acquire yeah, an asset, lo- uh, engage in a long-term project, recover um re- uh, reduce your heat your group's heat you know because like as you go on heist and tough stuff heat gets built up like the you know the authorities are after you you can train you can indulge your vice um and that th- that's built into i mean it's called downtime because it's down from the activity the primary activity of blades in the dark was which is the heist mm-hmm. um right. And Which is it, but I, I, yeah, I, it's it's, it's I semantics. Harp on it's semantics. It. it is semantic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, I guess it's just a question of what you what are you coming into the game for? Like, and that's as you were saying earlier, Craig. It's about like talking with your players and like making sure you're in sync with your players and what they what they want, you know, from your from the game experience. Because it may be that yeah, we are all role playing in Blades of the Dark. You know, we are we're which is a game that is focused on you know, the heist, but on the other hand, you know, uh, you may find that the players aren't as interested in that as, uh, as you thought they would be, that maybe the thing that they're interested in is, I don't know, is, is training or maybe well, they're interested and- in that. And in that case, is that, is, is the, it does, in that case, does the heist become downtime from the, th- you know, from the main <laughs> activity that your players actually want from the table, you know? Oh. The argument with Blades in the Dark is you could say there's two different – you could play Blades in the Dark two different ways. One where the downtime activity phase is a significant phase where people spend time. They role play. They really get into depth about what the characters are doing in their downtime. For other p- groups that really love to just do the heist stuff, they get to the downtime and they say, okay, I do this. I do this. I spend this. We we make this roll. We do this thing. We reduce our heat and we move. 
Yeah. And that's just getting through it. That's, that's like, right. that's, I, w- I just dealt with bookkeeping. Um, and, yeah, and now we're back to, you know, setting up our next score, but yeah, anyway, so, that, so, um, so it's good yeah, to there's, know. So yeah, it's, 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 there's a billion things you can do. I mean, I, I did five minutes of just brainstorming and made a list of, you know, closing in on 20 things that might be part of your downtime. What, regardless of what your definition is, it's like stuff that falls outside of what the adventure is primarily about, whether it's killing monsters or defeating supervillains or taking down the megacorps. Um, you know, and it's all over the place. It goes everywhere from stuff that almost every game has, where which is like going shopping and making things or fixing things, all the way to very specific things. If you've got games that are that reward you in some way for you know carousing or sowing rumors or running a business. Oh my um, gosh, I you don't want to necessarily you know you, uh, one group might want to sit down and like role play out running the business. Another group might be say might say like let, let's handle this really quickly outside of the game session. Somebody will be like, well, we'll you know, I spend my money on the business. We do this. We hire some people to do these things. So we have a front, like if you're playing criminals, right? You want yeah. a front business. We're going to, I'm just going to do that outside of like the main course of the game just to get it in place so that when we play the game, the, the front business is in place and now we can utilize it the way we find it to be interesting to utilize it as a group um, during the game session as, as a way to launder money into a, a hideout and whatever else you use the front business for, but like the mechanics of like the spending, you know, like we, well, we, we pull our money, we spend, we, we hire a bunch of people and we, we, you know, we, we vet them to make sure that they're all criminals too. So that like, they're, nobody's going to go run into the cops immediately. They all got to be crooked <laughs> in some way, um, or just dupes. Um, well, so, yeah, just figure out it, it's it's primarily just figuring out what the players want to kind of relegate to those other areas that aren't the focus and knowing what they want and taking them there it's also kind of an opportunity for them to engage in things that ne- don't necessarily interest the entire group something that's just for their individual character because during your actual like the game session when you're doing the thing you are engaging with the entire group it, no one is necessarily the star of the scene unless you have a specific game that does that but during like you could have you could gm it so oh everyone else is out getting snacks right now they're getting drinks it's just you and me and we're going to have a little little small tête-à-tête where you and I will role play something that interests you specifically your character the thing that you can't get done when we are out doing whatever and then you could even rotate that like literally if you have like a physical game session people are getting drinks and snacks you sit down we rotate out you could do it like that you could break it up by scene you could have other players play other npcs within these scenes Um, but it gives people an opportunity to have a little bit of me time a little bit of like this is all about my character instead and then you could even include some of the mechanics although a lot of the downtime like things I've seen GMs do, they, it's kind of like a less risky situation for them to do something. Even in the solo game that I'm playing right now, I'm playing Apothecaria where you are a town witch and you are healing the townsfolk from their various maladies. And you go out and you explore and you try to find um, ingredients for your potions and you bring them back. But there's also downtime in between the sessions in between like the time that you're healing in between patients. Um, and during those times you could basically do whatever without risk of failure, without risk of losing some of your in like, like the, 
the things you're building up as your witch in your house. Like you don't necessarily need to worry about it. Although you could, you could actually go explore during your downtime and risk things. But I could also say like, yes, in my diary. And then today I fought a dragon with my best friend. And you get six different actions you can do. Um, And I think that those are both ways to like, encourage people to get a little creative you can also like get get to know like what are they actually interested in again bringing in like if you have this one-on-one with another player and they are like really getting into this romance subplot that you are role-playing with them bring that into the main plot maybe that's going to be something that or tie it into somebody else's individual thing without them knowing be super sneaky about it like there's all sorts of fun things you could do um regarding that yeah i mean i think that there, there i uh, I, I think what I'm hearing, and uh, I agree, is that there's generally two schools of thought on this. One is you use the time between adventures to prepare for advent- for more adventures. You level up the characters. You give them an opportunity to go to a store to get more, to get a better shield or more potions or whatever. You You give them that opportunity so that they will be prepared when the next adventure comes along. And then there's this other idea, which is a character, which is character based, right? To me, the the as a player, the latter is much more interesting because like, I, I see, it's interesting that you say, well, I'll, I'll role play with this one person to go through their, to go through their, to talk about their character to maybe go through. To me, I would rather be at a session where the character is the focus rather than us going around and going to a store and buying things like I I feel like for me and my group like I would rather like us do that over email like I'd rather me say okay well I was in town you know I bought I I used my gold to buy x y and z it's like a shop you know it's a shopping thing it's a you know it's like it feels uh, it's feeling very mechanical you know um whereas I'm much more interested in you know, oh, the GM uses person's character sheet to find the secret in their character sheet. And now it's going to bring up that secret. It's going to do a plus, some kind of plot. Oh, look who just came into the tavern. It's so-and-so's uncle, you know, who mm-hmm. they haven't seen in a hundred years. Like, oh, the player is, my fellow player is freaking out about their uncle. Why are they freaking out about their their uncle? What happened with their uncle? You know, um, the hope would be that if it's a really intriguing and interesting, you know, character dynamic, even if it's for one character, that it would interest the whole party because you're a party, you're a team, you know, working together. And so, oh, that is interesting. Oh, there's this person, my fellow player is sick. Oh, my fellow player had a romantic tryst, you know, you know, can I advise, can I advise them? Can I interfere? Can I, you know, talk to this? Can I help this person in some way? You know, can I help this person, you know, with their challenge? You know, uh, in addition to working together to fight this bad guy, can we work together to solve our character's personal dilemmas? I I think that that's a, you, you mentioned something like with the leveling up too that I'd like to come back to. But anytime you have the opportunity to bring it to the whole group, it's, more the more drama the more drama the better in my opinion every every time you can bring it back to the whole group for sure as a counterpoint to jeffrey's comment about character stuff and i think what we're doing here is proving the earlier point of 
it's all of the group dynamic and how everybody at the table yep. thinks about downtime and when you want to do it and what purposes it serves. You could have the, using D&D &D as an example, the thief in the group doesn't want to be doing their special character stuff in front of the paladin. So the thief and the GM have a little side thing here every, you know, outside of the game session every so often where the where the thief player says, I'm going to go steal this or I'm going to go case this joint or whatever they're going to do. Um, and they uh, maybe they have to make a little roll uh, at the beginning of the session just to let the GM know what resolves or use a dice roller online or something in between or whatever. Um, or they have a point system that you can spend or whatever. And at some point the GM says, okay, well, you've, this GM says quietly to themselves, well, they've done enough now and they kind of have drawn the attention of some people. So now we're going to bring this all full circle into the group. And at one of the game sessions, the authorities come looking for the thief and the paladin says, whoa, 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 what? Mm -hmm. And then that's your, you know, bringing it into the group like Jess talked about. So yeah, it's, <laughs> this well, is a really there's... interesting conversation because there really are so many different ways to approach all of this. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I think there are, as you point out, like a thief has to be secret by nature of their trade so it's like the i think there are mechanical reasons why you know a player and a gm would talk you know would have a separate side conversation but i think that like the i i think i was responding less to like the mechanics uh you know of like a, of an adventure and more about the idea that um if one character is the focus of a scene that is meant to be like advance that player's like character like as opposed to it's like okay like i am a thief i am going to steal this jewel or whatever like that's something that like the player is probably doing to i imagine to like level up their character right from a mechanical standpoint. okay not always it. but flip but... it i'm the wizard and i'm stealing something sure okay but like like thing it's is, it's just an it's just you know a billion ways to look at it. Oh sure, absolutely. I, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like imagine. Um, it, it, I know what you're saying, and I agree that there are times mechanically when it makes sense. But I I, I I'm pushing back on the idea that if it's like we are focused on one character, that like other players won't be interested in that because it's only talking about that one character's experience. Like, I understand that there are reasons why you would want to single out a character because they because the other players can't know something. But if they can know, then I think that, like, we want to encourage our players to be invested, not just in their own characters, but in the other characters as well. And what they're doing. So in that in that like secret analogy, you know, I would wonder like, okay, like could I maybe get my other players to like be suspicious of like what the characters, what that other character is doing? Maybe trying to speculate on like what that character is doing um, to create drama and to create you know char interesting character dynamics. Um, you know, something to think about. I think though it can also be a very like utilitarian tool to again like literally pull one person aside especially when you have a game where everyone is leveling up there's like a lot of stuff you have to do there's like roles you have to do which pretty much happen outside of character um right. and when especially when you have a limited amount of time your your time at the table is golden you want to use it up as much as you can and as the gm in a game like D D. 
what are you doing while your characters are leveling up other than supervising them, which seems unnecessary unless people actually need help. So while they are doing that, you can also use that time. Does that mean they have to necessarily be outside of the room? I don't think so. I think it's up to your players. I think that there are a lot of like storyline reasons too, like like not necessarily storyline, but um, literary reasons, if for lack of a better word, like the yeah. Ludo narrative, if I want to use a fancy word I don't understand. Um, <laughs> uh, there are like lots of reasons why having characters not know is fun and there's also reasons why having players but not characters know is fun like the dramatic irony for example um so they could all be at the table rolling up their characters while you are role playing with a with one single player and then switch out you're not like taking up a lot of time this is actually a practice that comes from teaching for me where you have small group instruction while the rest of the larger group is doing something and then you rotate out um same thing with one-on-one instruction um, I think I also like I, doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it's great. I, I yeah. And again, I want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying like, never take your character oh, no, aside. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that. Um, yeah, I want to be clear on that. Because I think you're uh, I think that's great. If you're at a table and everybody is scratching on their sheets and one person is done early, it's like, rather than that player just sitting around like yeah why not do some role playing like have some you know have some fun you know i agree 100 percent with that and i also agree that there are reasons to take one character aside for secret reasons or something like that but again i think when it comes to like the i when it comes to like the the literary when it comes to the to the to major or interesting things happening to a character like we, I think we want to encourage our players, even if we don't tell them the information, all the information that they need. Oh, this player here is secretly, you know, a spy. You know, we don't have to do that. But like getting the players interested in what that player might be doing at like 3 a.m., you know, in the morning when the other players are asleep. I think that that's, <laughs> in, I think that that's interesting. Rather than just be like this person is siloed off entirely from their party doing their own thing it's like yeah what's going on what is going on with our fellow character you know um and creating that like sense of tension that it, between the players creates like drama i think it, it's like a, it, it's good for creating drama you know and drama is good for fostering player interest and and you know it's a great way to get people curious or suspicious about what a player a particular character is up to is for the GM to take the same player aside regularly in the game <laughs> session <laughs> more than any more than anybody else um, because a savvy uh, a savvy player will be like what's going on here right. and then they might they might slip the GM a note and say hey I'm gonna sneak and listen in on what's mm-hmm. going on here and there you go. <laughs> Um, what are, what are some, like, if we were saying like downtime is that cycle, that period of the cycle where you're not necessarily out on an adventure, you're back at your home base, you're doing whatever, um, probably more focused on like gaining resources or spending them in some way. What are there any games that you know, other than like Blades of the Dark, which we mentioned, are there games that we know that do this well or other like tips we can like say before we move on into our game design portion? Um, off the, I mean, Blades in the Dark is the one off the top of my head yeah. that very clearly integrates it into the how the game plays. 
Um, but I think that, you know, a lot of games just infer it. I think Blades in the Dark maybe was the first one to kind of like, we're going to just write a chapter that says, this is exactly how this is handled. And we, we define some specific rules. Cause like, um, like just like you said, uh, it's often reducing bad points or increase, you know, reducing bad things or increasing good things in the downtime, like in between, like whether that's buying, you know, spending money to buy magic items or cool gear, that's spending time and resources or whatever to get the heat off of you or whatever. So like all that stuff exists in a lot of games, you know, it's just that it's often been inferred and left left to the players to and the GM to kind of devise how they're going to handle it. I'm, I'm just trying to think of if I can think of a game that that a fair a fair people the number would know that has that really integrated in like Blades in the Dark does. I'm I mean every 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 Forged in the Dark game, not every one of them, but most of them have some variation of that too because it is kind of core to the the style of game. I'm looking at the SRD for 5e right now, and there's there's a list of downtime activities you can take that all have to do with um, like little things you can get as advantage later on. Like uh, you can craft, you can practice a profession, you can recuperate, which like can end negative effects on you or gain advantage on saving throws. I didn't know this actually. You hmm. can research, you can train. I didn't know any of this. Like I home, I homebrew. <laughs> all of any D&D game I've ever played in my life. Um, there's a lot in the books. Um, for me, this would be like the um, the equivalent of free parking in Monopoly. Like, I think a lot of people kind of loosey-goosey it. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Well, I think because it's probably less well-defined. I think it's probably less well-defined. Yeah. I think that's probably why. It's, well, they're uh... all super mechanical too. Like literally talking about gold and stuff. Like how much gold you get. Yeah, but at the same time, um, and there's like there's mechanics associated with them, and I think there's other games that do it as well. Um, and I'm sure that some of my games are like this, where I talk about you can you know characters can do this other thing, um, that would technically qualify as downtime, but it's not so in, it's not integrated to the level that Blades in the Dark is. It's just like it's just another part of the game where it's like this is how you spend your points and this is how you gain your stuff and this is how you heal your character and um, things that you can do kind of gloss over these things very quickly. Well, my character rests for a week and I, you know, I eat well and I sleep well and now I get a bonus on my saving throw to shrug off this disease or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and and where did you find that section, Jess? I'm curious. Um, I Googled SD, 5e SRD downtown activities. <laughs> right, but is that's it in the players? Is it in the players' handbook or the GM section? Oh, that's a good question. Because that's Let's that's the see. that's the integral difference. If 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 all that stuff is in the DMG, that's why it never happens in the game. Because I'm the players don't think to say. do it. Don't oh, think this about this one has even more, but I don't, I don't know. That's anyway, we're <laughs> beating a dead horse on that. Yeah. Um, what about um? Oh, sorry. Are you gonna say something? But no, I think as we can, we're looking to transition into like what we can do. What what are some interesting things, or at, at least things to think about, um, if you're going to um, account for these types of activities, these downtime activities, as part of your game design. I, um, I mean, to me, I, I, to me, it's like I think it's interesting when you say like, I have a, my character has a disease, and I'm going to spend a week, not my character not having a disease anymore 
And to me, it's like, wow, like what an opportunity to, to like role play. Like I understand like, okay, there are mechanics that are involved in resting or taking some kind of medicine or something like that. But like, what an incredible opportunity. It's like, what does your character do when they're faced with death, when they're faced with sickness? Um, how do your other, the other characters in your party try to help you deal with the, deal with death or with sickness? Like, I, I think like one thing you could do in your downtime is reflect on like the realities of what is happening in your fantasy world, right? It's like, you're in, you're injured, you are tired, you are, you know, you are broken, you know, like, what does that, what does that mean? Like, is that, is that difficult? Or is it like, is it just fun? Is it just like, oh, I got another broken, like, it's like, what, you know, do you treat it like, um, like, how does your character treat like a, a gash that you got in a battle, like somebody who went skiing and got into a, you know, got into an accident and broke their leg or something like that. And everybody's like making fun of them for like having a big, you know, sad. Or is this character like, is this character like bedridden for a week? And like, what does that do to like an adventurer who loves to be out, out of, you know, loves to be outdoors fighting to have to be, to be stuck in, to be stuck in bed. And like, what does it mean for these other characters to have to potentially take care of them? So to me, that's like the number one thing is like with 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 quote unquote doubt with the time between adventures. It's like giving your characters a chance to process and like, you know, think about like how their adventures like affect their characters and who they are. I think like if you were building a game that specifically wanted to take that into effect, literally giving them like it doesn't necessarily even have to go. You don't have to roll anything necessarily, but write down some of those questions that Jeffrey just said and make them like say, OK, you're going to answer these questions as a group. Like, what do you do to help this person? How do you feel like how is this going to change how you do things in the future? Like actually make them reflect, put it in the game text or your supplement text. If you're doing a supplement for D&D, for example, put it in the text and they will do it or or won't. They just if won't they, use the if rule. If they read it, if they, <laughs> if read, they it. read it, depending um, where it's located. In, but in having it in there and the type of players you have. Yeah. Right, of course. Yeah. But having it in, the, in there gives them permission, gives them ideas. Yeah. 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 yeah, but that but but that's true. Like just like like Jeffrey's saying is like at the very least describing that is um something that is uh you know helps to it sparks uh the it sparks the players who want to do that with ideas about how to do that um and yeah. ways to integrate that and then the, the player group that doesn't want to do that will be just like okay fine <laughs> um, yeah and and you shouldn't listen time, like sun, I, go, I, sun goes down sun comes up I'm better. Right. I mean, and listen, I'm not here to I'm not here to to force players no, no, who just you, love you. the mechanical aspects <laughs> of role play games to play a more uh to play it more more uh more role, you know, to to emphasize their role playing. But to me as a as a player and as a GM, that is what interests me. That that's what brings me into the hobby. And the mechanics like are there to sort of as sort of I, I read I was listening to one uh, podcast today I forget the designer but who I thought it was brilliant the mechanics were there to basically like referee like the shared reality of the world right the mechanics are there to basically say well you know it's like it's like the classic bad improv scene is like one person comes in and says 
uh, you know, we are on the moon. And the other person comes in and says, actually, we are in a McDonald's. And it's like, <laughs> well, well, that's we do not have a shared reality here. Uh, the mechanics in role play game are like all about like creating a shared reality. You know, we have these are the this is the way we fight. This is the way we heal. This is the way we acquire things. Right. So you so a players just can't do whatever they want. They have to come to some sort of agreement in terms of how they tell the story together. So to me, those are the things that 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 th those aspects of shared storytelling are what interests me. But I completely respect and understand that, like, yeah, some players just want to want to level up and they want advantages for their next quest, which is the thing that that's that's fun. And in that case, yeah, maybe don't for don't uh, ask them to do that. So you have to know your players. But to me, that's like the that is that is the experience of role playing to me, you know, well, I think I don't, I think you could do both too. Like if you like, I'm going to operate under the assumption that we have players here We're we're making a game where we're assuming players want to do some role play during their downtime. They, they want to have a period of rest or like recuperation or some other, some other variation on that. You could have a mechanic in your game where like they do something and regardless of the outcome, they're going to get some sort of benefit that either like you just get, they just get, maybe they always get a point of inspiration, for example, or maybe they always get some gold, or maybe there's a list of options for them, depending on how they handle a situation. Oh, we're going to do, we're going to do a job based downtime. We're going to get some gold out of it. We're going to do a... Uh, community service-based downtime. We're going to get some inspiration out of it. You could incorporate those for sure um, and also encourage the players to role play at the same time. Or maybe not. Maybe they just like kind of gloss over it. And yet, then yes, we helped uh, the Widow Jones get her poor little kitty cat out of the tree. And that's all we're <laughs> going to say about that. And we're going to move on. Um, and I think that could work for all sorts of players. Um, I know in the means of magic, we allow people to like... We don't have any downtime rules in the means of magic, um, but you're allowed to like kind of third person role play it if that is your style. Um, like, like I I say this thing. I like I tell them how I feel. I tell them that I'm angry. I don't have to like role play it necessarily if I don't want to. Um, and you could again put that directly into the text of your thing. Like you could act all this entire scene out. Maybe you have an entire downtime session, which I know oxymoron potentially, but um, <laughs> you could have an entire downtime session. Um, or maybe it's literally just one line. The players say, "Do we do this? Yeah, we do that. Okay, we do that. Give us the point, please." And that's it. Um, and those, I, I, those are all things that just contribute to the the world, the game, the story. I like that a lot. The 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 offering of point, you know, offering point, no matter what they do, you know, offering them some kind of like character based, you know, character sheet based benefit for mm -hmm. whatever choice that they whatever choice that they made in that moment or how they they role played or what they decided their character does. I think that's great because you're encouraging them to to role play with the mechanics, which is the whole light, which is which is the whole enchilada. So I think that's very I think that's very good design. Um, um go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say as as you know, Craig, and as a, maybe listeners who listen often, I'm making a game that's completely about downtime and my love of it. 
I'm yeah. making it. I'm making a game called Beach Episode that is meant to be <laughs> your downtime, um, where literally everyone's sitting around. You're at the. You're at a beach. You're not doing the. Maybe literally the meteor is in the sky right now. You're not ready to deal with it. It's there. Mm-hmm. And, but we're gonna pause. Everyone's gonna die soon. Let's let's put on our bathing suits. Let's go to the beach. <laughs> go to the beach. I love that. I absolutely love that. That sounds like a great game. I'd be very be very interested in uh, in <laughs> seeing it when uh, seeing the guide when it's done. Um, yeah, that sounds great. I'm not done quite with the design, but the general gist of it is you pick a move, like you pick a beach move from the table and then everyone else can use some of their drama points to either literally interrupt your scene with their own shit or um, or make a complication happen to you. Like if you want to go sneak off and brood alone at the beach and you want to go off alone, like there, there are drama things that can happen when you go do that. Maybe someone follows you and maybe maybe you find something or maybe a big wave comes and splashes you and you're now soaking wet, like whatever it is. Um, but everyone is around the table as you do this. And the whole idea is so that people can get insight into what makes the characters tick outside of wh- whatever they're doing. And it's supposed it's supposed to. Again, I haven't play tested it um, with every game, obviously, but it's supposed to fit with any game. Um, so whatever they are putting off is not happening now. Whatever you're doing now will have no actual consequential impact on the game. It's a filler episode. Um, I, but I, I, it's uh, supposed but, to be. But I, yeah, but I would argue that in in a sense, I think it has the most impact on the game. Yeah. I think these are the things, and again, I, you know, my highfalutin philosophy or whatever, <laughs> but like I'm a professional narrative designer. So I'm always going to, I, you know, I think of the world in terms of story, right? And to me, great story is characters. It's, it's character conflict and great character conflicts are personal. And so I think a beach episode, I think a beach episode in which you have two, you Okay, so I was a big fan of uh, of X Men the animated series growing up. Do, Who was it? You guys ever watch? Okay, oh yeah, so the nineties X Men the animated series, right? Okay, so uh, love that show uh, growing up. Now it is today. It is the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. What do I remember most about X Men the animated series? I will tell you. It is not like what happened when Cyclops was kidnapped by Mister Sinister. It's not like what happened when Magneto's the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants invaded town. It is the Christmas episode where <laughs> Jean Grey and Gambit are fighting in the kitchen about what the dinner is going to be. And the two of them end up using their powers on each other in the kitchen because Jean Grey cannot handle the spicy jambalaya that Gambit wants to, <laughs> wants to cook. That has stuck that's what stuck with me the character conflict between those two it should be just a filler it should be just not but i i firmly believe that those are the moments that players take away from these experiences it's the conflicts it's the character-based conflicts those are the things i think that we most remember that we, we we most feel for so i i love the idea of a game that focuses on that and it try and and creates and fosters those kinds of memorable 
character interactions, whether it's characters falling in love, whether it's characters feuding, whether it's characters just having a good time and chilling out. Like, I, I think those are the things that you take away from the table. So I, I encourage people to, 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 to go for it, even if they think maybe it's not for them to give it a try and see, maybe I think they I think folks might like it more than they, they, they imagine they would. So that that's exactly the purpose of this. Like I want more people to, um, to will they won't they their characters and mm -hmm. to get into volleyball competitions i think <laughs> that's really important for your big strong orc <laughs> i find it interesting and and jeffrey correct me if i'm wrong but for someone who uh you know is very at clearly very adamantly believes that if there's drama it's not downtime. It's all part of the game. It's all part of like what you're there for. It's what you want right. in the story. If there's character stuff, if there's drama, if there's conflict and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, and yet you chose the the topic called downtime activities. Yeah. Because <laughs> which I, is I'll... generated an interesting conversation, certainly. That's the, re I think, honestly, that might be the reason why I took it. Sure. Because I think to me, it was, it was that sort of light bulb moment of, what is downtime? What do you mean? Yeah. That's what I want. And that's kind of why I wanted to, to, I think I wanted to have the discussion because I thought it would be an interesting discussion. You know, there were so, others, there was a solo RPG one and I was <laughs> tempted by it because, but, but, but I don't know enough. I love them, but I don't, haven't played enough of them to like, say I could, I could really be an expert on solo RPGs, but I do enjoy the ones I, I have played. Um, but but I thought oh downtime that's an interesting that's an interesting what is what is downtime anyway, so, uh, to to offer to you um, something that I did um, uh, to kind of you know put a button on that idea is that I've played plenty of games I've read plenty of games where the idea of character death is not really dealt with very well like there's too much my character dies and make a new character and we continue on with the story or my character dies they get raised from the dead and we continue on with the story and sometimes there's if people if people inject you know the the uh uh well you know what does that do what does that mean for my character to come back from the dead do they if they weren't religious before are they do they suddenly find religion like is there something you know or do they owe feel that they owe the cleric something or um, are they, does the, does their outlook on life change and all that sort of stuff that you can interject, but that stuff is sometimes discussed in, in role-playing game books. And sometimes it's again, one of those things that's just kind of left for the players and the GM to kind of figure out how they want to handle it. But when I designed good, strong hands, um, because the game is about a malevolent entity just wanting to destroy the entire world and everything on it, I wanted character death to have meaning. Um, so I, def this, I defined very specific information about what happens if a character is killed or is lost to corruption to the void and becomes evil, basically gets corrupted by the void and becomes a minion of the void. And it, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but it's a couple of paragraphs in the book and it talks about how, you know, the, the other characters mourn the loss of their friend. Um, and this becomes, uh, the, the, the kickoff point for the players to, um, tell why the, the 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 lost character was important to their character. Share a memory about them, whatever you know, what have you, and then um, they find the strength and resolve to continue the fight despite having lost their friend, because that's what the game is about. Um, and you look at the 
fallen character's character sheet and all of their sp- count up how much spirit they had and you spread you take that Ooh. amount of spirit and you spread it evenly as evenly as possible amongst all the other characters because so that becomes a resource you can spend and anybody who doesn't get enough spirit is the other people can do other things there's other things described like you can cure a condition on your character and all this sort of thing as you result as you um steal yourself to continue the fight with without your fallen friend and then also in in your resolve you shrug off the effects of the void and you uncheck two shadow boxes two boxes two check marks of shadow which is the thing that pushes you toward corruption if you fill up your shadow track um so death while you know tragic and the loss of a character um especially in a story like this where they could actually become a villain in the process of, of becoming corrupted has meaning um, is given meaning by presenting what you can do to deal with that, what the characters can do um, in game, and also mechanically rewards them that you're going to take some part of that character forward with you just the same way we, as people, when we lose someone important in our lives, we take something of them forward with us in life. Oh, I love that. And in some games, that. that would be downtime. Yeah. That would be like my char- the character died, okay. You know, a couple of, char- a couple of players decide they're going to write a, you know, in in a, a poem about the the fallen character outside of the game, and that's and they just they just go on. Where this is the up, like, and and that's I think ultimately the advice that I give to anybody who's looking about downtime mechanics is thinking about things that might in some games be considered downtime, be considered things that you just kind of do on your own time or you do very quickly. It's bookkeeping stuff, and if it's important to your game you can find a way to to bolster it and build it up and give it a little more meaning in the gaming and, and define it a little bit um, in role-playing terms and in mechanical terms, if that's appropriate. Yeah. I I, I mean, would anybody argue that mourning the, lo- the, mourning the loss of a beloved friend is like filler? You know, like, I, I don't think so. I think it's one of the most important things we do as humans. It isn't fighting a monster, but it sure is important, um, <laughs> you know, to fight the monsters within us. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a great mechanic. Um, and I, boy, the polar opposite of a beach episode. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but but it's but it's but it's all speaks to like the power of like not only letting that character's death resonate and like letting so that player feels like their death was in service of the story. It may, you know, because like, I think that's why people, I think that's why players like hate, like, it's like, it sucks to lo- to feel like you've lost a game. But like, if your character like goes on to like influence the story and the role playing in the future, then I feel like you've kind of won the game in the sense <laughs> that you're like, you're cut, you're part of the story. You have shaped that your your character has shaped the world, even in death, which speaks to how powerful your character really was, you know. Um, you know, the power of their personality as opposed to their sword. So anyway, I I uh, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a, a great example of good, really good use of downtime. I mean, you also had a whole supplement that was all about playing a game too which a lot of people would find to be downtime yeah absolutely (laughs) target run is target run is what what almost certainly people would define it as a downtime experience um for sure it 
it's a uh it's it's a uh cat it's D D meets caddyshack it's <laughs> a uh you you play uh your party is helping and uh is is helping a um uh, a woman who wants to to be to break into the elite uh, into an elite uh, elven sport uh, into an elite uh, you know uh, club that plays this game, and so you're trying to help her do that. And but everybody, the elves are very are rich and snobby, and she is uh, she is <laughs> she is not. She's sort of a she's not snobby and has no pretension, but she just loves the game. And so you know that's that's like i what i wanted to create for players was just like a was like a fun and memorable experience for their characters where they can decide how they want to you know do they want to ingratiate themselves to you know the the hierarchy of the of the ruling class do they want to fight the ruling class do they want to sow chaos do they you know and then to create a sport a recreational activity that would hopefully create some like fun, you know, we'll create like some fun memories like a beach episode, you know, like, like, oh yeah, we the, remember that time when we all played that, you know, we we played that sport together against <laughs> elite a- athletes of the sport. And we actually somehow managed to win, you know, um, that's the, to me, like if it's memorable, like the, the experiences that are memorable from the table are like, those are like, surprised experiences and and yes like the climactic battle with your boss is like a memorable experience but i think downtime activities can also be very memorable experiences and i would argue maybe hot take even more so um <laughs> but uh but uh jury's out on that everybody will have everybody has different tastes i respect that um other than uh other than target run what else do you want to plug do you want to like shout out absolutely well i talked about it earlier um but uh every month i write um these solo rpgs these 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 micro choose your own adventure games i write two a month and i release them uh and my newsletter called adventure snack it's completely free um I've done a lot of different genres. I've done, fan, you know, I've done D&D inspired fantasy. I've done, you know, sci-fi games, but they're all funny and short. And the idea is you can play it on your lunch break. You know, we don't always have time to sit at a table. Uh, we were talking about that, you know, that, you know, this is something you could do on your downtime uh, from your <laughs> office or between the uh, game nice. sessions. And, uh, and it's Perfect. free. It's at adventuresnack.com. And uh, I, I love doing it. I think they're, um, it's so much fun. I get player feedback afterwards and people tell me the ones that they that they really like and the things that resonate with them and, and, uh, and how it helped them, you know, get through a bad day or get through a tough day. And uh, I, I live for that. I love that. Well, thank you for joining us again. This, I'm, now we have this whole meta conversation about what is downtime, um, which could be <laughs> a blog post or a whole book. I think uh, <laughs> uh, you can find you can find me on uh, Drive Through RPG or Itch at Wannabe Games. Um, we have print copies now of The Means of Magic. I don't actually know if they're publicly available yet. Alex would know, but I don't. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I will be at Origins Game Fair in a month 
in a little less than a month when this one comes out. So you can see me there, and you can see the IGDN there, and buy buy my games there. Uh, and you can find me at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter and um, at Dice Camp at Mastodon. Um, the uh, 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 we're going to be at Gen Con. Nerdburger Games has a booth at Gen Con. It is booth number. Hey. Um, ah. I'm trying to find it. Booth number 2954. I got to get that memorized. I don't have it memorized yet. Mm -hmm. Booth 2954. It's back there in Entrepreneurs Avenue, um, which means you have to go way to the back of the hall. <laughs> but everybody's got to pay their dues, right? Um, so uh, check check for that. Um, the games are otherwise on DriveThruRPG, and my website is nerdburgergames.com. If you have a game that you released in the last year uh, and you would like it to be recognized and awarded for the amazing indie game that it is, you can still, until May 31st, you can submit your game to an Indie Groundbreaker Award uh, nomination. There is a link on the website, igdnonline.com slash groundbreakers, spelled like the word ground and the word breakers, as in things that break. <laughs> and <laughs> those submissions close on May 31st. It's it's free to submit your game. There's no there's no penalty for you to submit your game. We're just limiting people to two submissions. So if if you have something, submit it. Why not? Try it out. Um, thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is Avel by Steph Sachs, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sachs. And thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure.